It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show. So during this segment on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, I mentioned that we had some dinner reservations later that evening. We're going to go have a bite to eat and then go watch the new James Bond film in Georgetown, just across the river from where we live. And so we did. Had a very nice dinner. Went to the theater. It was full. I think every seat was sold. Had my Coke Zero, of course. And settled in for a very long movie, which I knew coming in. Like I I saw – in some of the reviews and just some of the takes online, like, hey, just a heads up, it's going to be long. And it was. And what can I say about No Time to Die? I have definitely some strong sentiments about it, but I cannot fully explain them to you without major spoilers, which I do not want to betray. I'll say this. The beginning of the movie was good. Like the first hour I thought was really exciting. They had some callbacks. They had some old characters over the course of the Daniel Craig arc that were either referenced or made an appearance. I liked all of that. There was some really good action in Italy. There was some really exciting action in Cuba in some of these scenes. And then the second half of the movie, I did not love as much. I thought that the Bond villain was fine, Remy Malik. It was fine. Sort of pedestrian by James Bond standards, but perfectly acceptable. What I liked about Casino Royale, which was Daniel Craig's first, was that some of the tasks in front of Bond in that movie were manageable and not ridiculous. Like, oh, we've got to stop this airplane from getting blown up. We need to stop this weapons cartel from getting funding, and we're going to do that by winning a card game that's very high stakes at a casino, right? That's what James Bond had to do in that movie, as opposed to, oh, there's a laser pointed at Earth and everyone's going to die unless, you know, some of those more outlandish things. And I understand that is what James Bond has been for much of the existence of the character. And so this threat, if you will, was more of a return to that, the entire world hanging in the balance in some ways, right? The possibility of just unthinkable mass casualties and that kind of thing, and Bond has to prevent the problem. And I, that, that is par for the course overall in the James Bond anthology. I'm not going to complain too much about that. If they had done a few things just a little bit differently, I would have said, you know, it's fine. It was a fine end to the Daniel Craig era. I'm still going to go with Casino Royale and then Skyfall as my two favorites, but this one was fine. There's one significant spoiler that's a little bit more on the personal side maybe for Bond that I'm not going to ruin for you, but I know it's a bit controversial among some people. I'm not too mad about it. I think it's at least kind of interesting. 
And then there is a gargantuan spoiler as well at the very end of the movie that is extremely controversial among fans and people are all fighting about it. So I tweeted my displeasure. I think it is bad. I think the ending was bad. I think it was just unacceptable what they did at the end of the movie. And other people say, no, no, it's a, it was a brilliant conclusion to Daniel Craig and all this stuff. People are entitled to those opinions. You're not going to convince me that the ending of this movie was good or acceptable. In my mind. And I had people flooding into my DMs, agreeing with me, disagreeing with me. And I'm not going to tell you, I could say just a handful of words. And I think you would instantly understand why I'm upset as a fan of Bond and Daniel Craig as James Bond, but I'm not going to do it. You can go see it, maybe at some time off in the distance where there's been sort of like a buffer zone. We could do trigger warnings and spoiler alerts and all of that and then talk about it, but it's too early in this film's release cycle for me to risk any of it. So I'm not going there. I'm just going to tell you I'm an unsatisfied fan very satisfied for the first half of the movie, kind of shrugging my shoulders for the second half, then mad about the end, which eclipsed everything else. That's my overall take. Now, Dan, you watched this movie over the weekend as well. Am I way off base? No, I would agree with you. I definitely enjoyed it. I would give it like a solid B minus B in the realm of Bond movies. Um, but like you said, with the villain, I didn't like the end plot. I think it could have done more with it, and it just wasn't believable. And it was, but it was very sad to see, you know, the end of an era. And I definitely teared up at a moment. And I think you know when. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we all knew it was going to be Daniel Craig's last movie as Bond. And there's this whole speculation now who's going to be next. And there are names being thrown out there. And I'll be interested to see who they cast. But I was hoping for something at the end of this era that would really put an exclamation point on what I think was a successful run for Daniel Craig and what they decided to do, the choice that they made, I think was not a good one. I want to say unforgivable, but I don't want to be too dramatic, but it's close. I got an all caps text from a friend's mother who went to go see it. She's like, are you kidding me? I was like, I know. I know. She's like, that's what your tweet was about? Yes. Oh, you're so right. Then other people are like, you're an idiot. This is genius. Best Bond film ever. Okay. Uh, I'm a definite no on that one. Definite no. But whatever floats your boat, if that ending floats your boat, good for you. Good for you. Not for me. My boat is at the bottom of the ocean on that one. I think there was a boat that sank in this movie, actually. Or was that like a an oil rig that sank? I digress. Now, Producer Christine, you did not see any Bond movies this week, and I encourage you to watch a few of them. You did not. But you did, in fact, begin Squid Game, which is just growing in popularity. Quiet Wyatt finished the entire first season. I think it's almost certainly there's going to be a second. You can't have this big of a hit where they sort of tee up a second season and then not do it. I think it's sort of like a, a money-making, obvious thing that they're going to attempt. But, Christine, how many episodes did you watch? So we only watched two episodes, but I really, really liked it. Um, also, I have to say, if uh, 
not just ladies, whoever is kind of squeamish or whatever and, you know, was a little worried about being scared. What my husband did, the, the sainted Bob, is he watched a couple ahead of me. So when we were watching, he would say, okay, close your eyes right now. And then he'd be like, okay, open them. You're good. You're good. So, But could you understand what happened or were you like missing key things? He would tell me what happened, but he just okay. knew that uh, we don't we don't need Cookie to get nightmares, which I did anyway you... about it. But <laughs> oh, you got nightmares from it? Yeah, I had a dream that Dan was like one of the um, players, like in the green jumpsuit. Our Dan on our team was in yeah. your dream yeah. as part of Squid yep. Game. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of scary. <laughs> but but I wasn't. I'm almost offended. No, no I know. <laughs> Am I not terrifying enough, Christine, to make it into your... I I don't qualify for your night terrors? I'm hurt. Plenty, plenty of night terrors about this show and the work. Trust me. (laughs) Many. (laughs) So did you you get a sense of where it was going, or were you shocked by red light, green light? Oh, Oh, gosh. Like we're going to be able to hear that game. I hope Megan never plays that game. Um, I was shocked by that, but I kind of knew where we was going. I actually have to say at the end of the second episode, I was shocked. So, and Bobby keeps telling me it gets better and better, but he did say, and Wyatt told me this, like it's, it's pretty morbid. So uh, I really, really like it though. I love the characters, especially the main guy. Yeah. It's not uplifting. You're not going to be uplifted watching this, this show. Did you do the dubbing or did you do subtitles? Oh, the dubbing. What did you do? We started with dubbing and then switched over because I could not handle it anymore. Especially a few of the characters and their voices became so annoying, like the fake English voiceovers, that I said, I, I can't do this. Can we please put on the original Korean and then the English subtitles? I've actually heard there's a controversy that the subtitles and the dubbing is not actually fully accurate to the actual Korean. That's a separate issue, but it it gives you the gist at the very least. I recommend the subtitles personally, although that makes it harder for you to turn away and close your eyes because you have to read to know what's happening. So maybe Cookie should stick with the dubbing, even though for me it became distractingly annoying, so I switched mid-series. Yeah, no, I'm sticking with the dubbing. I think it also makes it a little uh, less serious because it is kind of humor sometimes hearing these voices as they're talking about something pretty serious. So I like it. I have to say, like, if you, anybody out there, if you were a little squeamish or you weren't sure about it, definitely watch it. I have to say I'm so excited that I'm in it now and, you know, I'm part of the cool kids. So feel good. (laughs) Well, it's number one in the world on Netflix which is pretty crazy. And again, the comparison that I'll make is Black Mirror plus Hunger Games plus Kill Bill. If that sounds appealing to you, go for it. If that sounds awful to you, then this is probably not a show for you. But again, Christine was very frightened and now she's taken the plunge and now she can't stop. Are you addicted enough, Christine, last question, that you're going to like put Megan to bed tonight and then go right back to Squid Game? Or are you not that hooked? Oh, no, I would like, what we were thinking is, um, yeah, we got, it's tricky because you don't want Megan to walk in, do you know what I'm saying? Or walk downstairs and, like, watch that at all. So we're trying to figure it out because, remember, once Megan goes to bed, most nights go to Cookie. So, and we don't want to be watching this right before I go to bed. 
because that's mm. a no-no. So it's going to be tricky dilemmas. getting through. It's not, yeah, there's dilemmas here. But we'll yeah, and there. then also for me, there were certain shows where you're like, all right, just one more, and there's a cliffhanger, and you cannot stop yourself from watching another one. Then you're up even later. That's how sometimes binge watching goes. So now we've got every single member of the Guy Benson Show team watching and talking about Squid Game. And that's a nice distraction for me, at least, from talking more about James Bond. Two thumbs down if I'm Siskel and Ebert here. Not because it was a horrible movie overall, but I'm just, I can't get past the ending. I can't. You can send all your uh, hate mail to me if you'd like. You can DM me, Guy P. Benson, Twitter and Instagram. Tell me why I'm wrong or why I'm right. I'm often right, but not always. It's fair. Back here tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. Same time, same place. Have a great evening. We will talk to you then. Homestretch on this Tuesday here on The Guy Benson Show. Glad that you've been with us today. If you missed any of the program, as usual, the podcast is free of charge on demand. GuyBensonShow.com. Well, yesterday, during this segment... We were talking about James Bond. We were talking about Squid Game. And producer Christine interjected into the conversation a work-related nightmare that she had in recent nights where I guess she had watched the first few episodes of Squid Game and then dreamt in her sleep that Dan, our new engineer and technical producer, was in Squid Game and she was living through it as well, and he was wearing one of those weird jumpsuits and was on some sort of conveyor belt. And right on cue comes this story from the Wall Street Journal. When work invades your sleep through your dreams, we dream about what preoccupies us, and during the pandemic, things got weird. Here's how the story starts. You're giving a presentation without any pants. The plane to your business trip is taxiing away as you run for the gate. And what's the boss from your first job doing here? Don't worry, it was just a dream. And you're not alone. A lot of people say work has invaded their sleep, especially during the pandemic, as boundaries have been obliterated and burnout is on the rise. The good news? Dreams can help us solve problems or reach realizations about our careers and ourselves. So this is giving me some flashbacks to months ago when we had the dream interpreter on the air. That was a very popular conversation. It went on for multiple segments where she was talking about common dreams, certain themes that arise in people's dreams. I gave her a few of mine, like being late for an exam or being unprepared for an exam or not having graduated from high school or college and discovering that much later on in life. And she explained in her mind what that meant. Producer Christine had a few that she raised as well. And I guess it is now a phenomenon that has deepened during COVID, during the pandemic where people have been on edge and stressed out, where work and other elements of their lives are seeping into their dreams in ways that are kind of disturbing. I also find it just fascinating when you can remember a dream the next day and when you can't. Most of the time I cannot, but occasionally I will. And sometimes it's so funny or weird that I will scribble down a note 
on my bedside table or send myself a text message just with a few bullet points or keywords about the dream. And then other times, like today, hours later, I can draw on certain recollections from dreams. And I have no idea why that occurs and why on certain days it's easy and other days it's just boom, gone the instant I wake up. The whole realm of one's dreaming consciousness, I think, is really interesting. And here's this journal story echoing a point, basically illustrating a point, that what Cookie, producer Christine, just experienced recently with her colleague in one of her dreams is not unusual at all. In fact, it is very frequent and perhaps growing in frequency during the pandemic. And Christine, you were saying Dan, who's a new addition to the team, is not the only member of this motley crew here at the Guy Benson Show who has made perhaps unwelcome appearances in your dream life. Is that correct? Oh, no. I have, like, night terrors about you weekly. Me? Yes. I have constant dreams that you were saying to me, like, get this guest up on the board, or why am I not speaking? You know, how come you can't hear me? And I'm trying to talk to you, or I'm trying to dial a number, and I just can't see the numbers on my call screener. Like, everything is just blurred together, and you're yelling, and I I have a lot of those dreams. I also have... Well, hang on. Let's just stop there for a second, Hmm. because I'm a little puzzled by this. Number one, I think it is fair to say... In spite of some of the ridicule and ribbing that we give you, especially during this segment, on a pretty regular basis, I'm not sure my management style can be described as tyrannical. No, not And at I'm all. not sure I have ever yelled at you for anything. So I'm trying to figure out why the recreation of me in your dreams is so much worse and meaner than real life. Maybe that can be your key mid-dream to realize this can't be real, he never yells, and you can wake yourself up that way. I cannot, I know there are people that can get themselves out of their dreams or their nightmares. I cannot yeah. wake myself up. I, uh. and I have the, the thing where I wake up. Okay, I, here's another one. I have a dream sometimes that uh, Bobby, the sainted Bobby, might be uh, stepping out on me, if you know what I mean. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up and I'm I'm in real life angry at him. I'm very, very upset with him and I can't figure out why. And he says to me, you can't be mad at me about a dream. That's not fair. You are mad at me about plenty of other things. It can't be about dreams. But I'm really upset with him. So this is now reminding me of something totally crazy. We're going to veer way off course. There is a documentary. I believe it's available on Amazon. Prime or Hulu. It's on one of the streaming services. It's called Dream Killer. And it's about a young man who was convicted of a role in a murder and sentenced to decades in prison based on his alleged co-conspirator's dream. There was no hard evidence. I don't want to spoil things because It's a pretty astounding documentary, but this guy gets convicted on the evidence of a quote-unquote witness, his friend, who dreamed that they did something and then went to the police. And the friend was definitely guilty, but he just conjured an element of the crime 
for which there was absolutely no evidence, which was basically having an accomplice. And in our system, under our justice system, this guy got convicted. It was absolutely shocking. If you watch the documentary, the amount of misconduct and lying and terrible lawyering on the defense side, it is genuinely disturbing. And I will give a slight spoiler here. So spoiler alert. The guy, thanks to the indefatigable work and efforts of his own father, eventually gets his sentence overturned and some people get into very big trouble. And he spent years in prison. He spent years behind bars, not knowing if he would ever get out. And what's wild about it is he is now dating, maybe even engaged to Adam's cousin, my husband's cousin. Like we have a connection to this guy. And Adam's cousin just got hired by Fox for the new weather service that they're launching. So I almost feel like the dream killer who's the subject of this documentary, maybe we should get him in here, do an interview because the story is crazy. And I think we have an in. I can call my husband who can call his cousin who can call her boyfriend or fiance. Let's talk about this off air, Christine. I was not expecting to have this memory, but it just occurred to me since we're talking about dreaming. How about someone who is convicted of a crime based on a made up dream? Anyway, go on. Wow. I'm, I'm blown away by all of that. that You're is... Googling now, aren't you? You're yep. Googling uh... the dream killer. <laughs> and he's been nicknamed the dreamy killer by a lot of people because he's, he's not the worst looking guy in the world. Oh. But he spent some of his prime years of his life, like 20s, early 30s, I believe, in prison for something that he did not do with proof that he didn't do it. It's just crazy. An example of our criminal justice system going wrong, which is why it is not infallible, which is why I think evidence and appeals and justice should always matter more than just checking a box for an outcome. I have now completely pulled this segment away from our intent and our original plan. I apologize, but not really, because now people might go watch Dream Killer. You'd be like, how is that even possible in any country, let alone this country? Anyway, Christine, next time you're having a dream and I'm yelling at you and berating you and abusing you, or if, if it's Wyatt, it's much more in character for him. He just He's just a menace. He's going crazy. Just try to think in the moment. Try to dream in a conscious way. Oh, wait, this can't be real and wake yourself up. I know it's been a struggle, but I think you can do it. And that might help you get past all of this stuff. Any final thoughts, Christine, on this? I never had a dream about Wyatt, I just realized. Hmm. Wow. So Dan shows up and you're dreaming about him within days. Yep. I'm a regular occurring antagonist, apparently, in your dream life. But quiet Wyatt, with whom you have worked for quite some time, maybe he is in your dreams. He's just very quiet. He's lurking in the background of your dream. Just quietly reading the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> just peeking over his print edition. And then quickly back up before you see him. All right, we are done for the day. The Wednesday edition of The Guy Benson Show coming your way in 21 hours. If you missed any of... Catch up on any missed programming, of course, on The Guy Benson Show podcast, free of charge. 
on demand. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show on this Wednesday. Thank you for listening. We'll be broadcasting tomorrow from Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the Badger State. Looking forward to that. We will talk to you then. But first, I want to discuss in our final segment here on this program the great debate over hashtag Let's Go Brandon. This is kind of an inside joke, not so inside anymore, on the right. I will explain where it comes from. I tweeted about this last night, and a lot of people disagreed with me, and I knew they were going to disagree with me. I knew this would be sort of an ice-cold take, and yet it is still my take. And I will defend it here. I'll see if producer Christine agrees or has another opinion. But it goes back to an interview that was conducted earlier this month at Talladega after a NASCAR race. And the winning driver at Talladega that day was Brandon Brown. I do not follow this sport at all, so I'd never heard of him. But he was doing a live interview, and the crowd in the background was chanting something that was not suitable for air. And this is a chant that had been going on for weeks. It started seemingly at college football games. It has expanded elsewhere, where people decided in groups, usually in large gatherings, to chant bleep Joe Biden. So F Joe Biden is what they've been chanting. And this crowd at Talladega decided to get on the bandwagon. So they're chanting in the background of this televised interview, F Joe Biden. And the reporter who was conducting the interview tried to sort of spin away what was happening and she claimed that they were chanting, let's go, Brandon, as she was interviewing this race car driver named Brandon. It is very clear. We'll play it for you. It's very clear that is not what they were chanting. But I guess she was probably blushing and a little flustered because that's a word that cannot go over the air. And so she tried to put sort of a non-profane face on what was being said. And that has become now an ongoing joke. Here's what it sounded like at the time. Here's cut 21. As you can hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. That's not what they were chanting. It was definitely not let's go, Brandon. It was F. Joe Biden. And I've sort of been simmering a little bit on this issue for as long as this became a trend. Because so I saw people sharing excitedly cell phone video, for example, from college football games with a student section chanting this, F. Joe Biden. And I understand sometimes it feels good to see a backlash against a politician that you really don't like. And, well, you know, you don't have to be so uptight about it. You don't have to be puritanical with your language. These are people expressing themselves. That's sort of part of the mentality, I guess where people have been sharing it and sort of hyping it, almost celebrating that this chant is happening. And I don't know, it, it's just not something that I think is great. I don't think it's something that we should be celebrating. I don't think this is the way that we should express our disapproval, even though the disapproval is profound and I think well-deserved. He's a failing president making terrible, terrible decisions and policies and statements on almost every front. 
But I think to get together and chant F any president is kind of gross and not worthy of our discourse. Now, you might say we're well past that point. And I recognize that there are folks who are going to say, oh, you're just sort of a stick in the mud here, fuddy-duddy, old school. This is why Republicans or conservatives lose because of people like you. You're so lame. And look, I am not like a pastor when it comes to my own language all the time. I'm not clutching my pearls over foul language. That's not my point. My point is chanting bleep the president, no matter who it is, is not something that I think is a great look for Americans. I saw that there was an F Joe Biden chant at a protest in Italy outside the U.S. embassy. Italians were chanting that. And I saw some people on the right sharing that saying, oh, look, it's going viral. It's going global. I think that if it were a Republican president, George Bush or Ronald Reagan or Donald Trump, and you had leftists at events chanting exactly this about them or Europeans abroad chanting this about a president that we like, I think we would have a very different approach. We would say, oh, this is not civil. These people preach civility and this is the opposite of that. This is so low class, very low class thing to do. Look at these obnoxious Europeans. How dare they say that about our president, screw them, right? I think there'd be some umbrage, some defensiveness. And just sort of with the golden rule and trying to apply standards evenly, if you wouldn't like this chant with this sort of top two or three obscenity at the beginning of it about a president you like, then maybe you shouldn't engage in it or indulge it or wink at it just because it's a president that you don't like. So the chant in some quarters has now become, let's go, Brandon. I saw someone had let's go, Brandon paged at Chicago O'Hare Airport. Sort of like this inside joke. I saw there was a little kid on TV recently who at the very end of this little appearance leaned into the microphone and said, let's go, Brandon. And there is some amusing component to it. Like I get it because of what the reporter said, trying to cover up what the real chant was. And it's become this running, trending joke where members of Congress are tweeting it. Prominent people are tweeting it. The thing is, I get some of that appeal because it's sort of winking, poking fun at the media while also just being like, yeah, there's a lot of people mad about Biden, and this is how they've tried to cover that up, at least what the chant was. But Let's Go Brandon is effectively code for bleep Joe Biden. And you know, I'm not naive about the state of our national discourse. I'm not naive or Pollyannish about where we are as a country politically. I just feel like F the president is something that has always been said. People will always say it, but usually at the fringes. And I'm just not sure I'm a fan of mainstreaming it. So that's why I have not made some Let's Go Brandon jokes or Let's Go Brandon tweets aside from 
my one tweet last night explaining why I don't think it's a great look. And a bunch of people replied in dissent, including more than a few who just replied, let's go, Brandon. Now, is this the greatest crisis facing the United States of America or the way that we talk to each other? Obviously not. I think it's a symptom of a wider issue. I just wish that on our side, we weren't reveling in this. And maybe that makes me lame and old fashioned. I know we're supposed to be fresh and fun and young and new generation here on the show. That's what the voiceover says. Maybe I'm a little old school on this one. Maybe you think I'm way off. Producer Christina, am I way off? You're not way off, but you're off on this one. I have to say, do you know what the left said about George W. Bush and the world? Do you know what they said about Donald Trump? I'm not saying to go around screaming, you know, bleep Joe Biden, but there's so much frustration in this country right now. Think of all the topics that you talk about every day that frustrates you about Joe Biden. So maybe not saying bleep Biden, but the let's go, Brandon, I'm all for that. That's fine because we get it. And it's a, it's it's more respectful than what the left have, has ever, ever done to Bush or Trump. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would call it respectful, right? I think it's definitely, definitely disrespectful. You might say it's no worse or they've had it coming or they made this bad or they deserve it or this is how they operate. So we're going to do the same. And why should they be exempt? Why should we operate under mismanners or Robert's rules of order when the other side is, you know, doing all this stuff and attacking people in a very personal way all the time? I just don't think that, again, here's a very old school thought. Two wrongs don't make a right. And I think a lot of people on the right think that we are better and behave better than the worst things on the left, right? So I think it's hard for us to condemn the terrible excesses on the left rhetorically or otherwise, and then sort of all high five each other and grin and relish a bleep Joe Biden chant. And let's go. Brandon is what they're chanting is F Joe Biden, just in different words. And it's one thing for like random activists or college students to do it. I'm just not sure more respectable people or folks with platforms or in positions of power should necessarily be feeding into it. Again, it's not this total disgraceful disaster. I just think I think it's a bad look. I wish we wouldn't do it. And maybe I'm just sort of shouting into the ether on this one. I suspect there are some people who agree with me. It makes them a little uncomfortable. But I wanted to have maybe the great let's go Brandon debate between me and Cookie. And Cookie is saying, chillax, Benson. It's basically fine. I'm not tearing my hair out. I'm not lighting my hair on fire over it. I just I just want to get that off my chest. Maybe they're chanting, let's go, Benson. Yeah, that's it. That's what they were chanting. Back here tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show from Milwaukee. Can't wait for that. Back in the upper Midwest. Swing state country. We will talk to you from Wisconsin tomorrow for the Thursday edition of The Guy Benson Show. Happy hour here on The Guy Benson Show. And earlier today, Quiet Wyatt. 
Our colleague here at the program really distinguished himself. He was something of a hero. He witnessed something happen on the way to work today on his walk. Wyatt, tell us what happened with this elderly woman. So I was walking into work today and I saw an elderly woman um, fall. And so I was walking across the street and she was on the other side and all of a sudden I see a shoe go flying. And so I stop and I look around and no one's doing anything. And so I, uh, I run across the street, dodged a car and, and went over there and, and, uh, and helped the lady, help her get up and, um, and, and helped her, you know, get her bearings. And then uh, I then asked her if she wanted any water because it was pretty hot today in D.C. Got her a thing of water, and um, and then she uh, was traveling down to the metro. But then she said, "I'm I'm going to go back because I don't feel well back to to where she was." So I um, called her an Uber and and got her back home safely. Were there other people who witnessed this and just didn't do anything? Yeah. And that's that's what uh, that's what really ticked me off. I, I don't get don't get too mad too often, but um, when I see something like this happen, <laughs> that is an understatement, by the way. <laughs> Very even keeled individual here, but you were pretty mad about this. Yeah, I just think of my own grandmother. I think of myself. Think of anyone. If anyone were put into a position where they needed help like that, um, I would want someone to help me. And so I saw this woman go down pretty hard too. And so I ran across and and went to help. And I think that uh, other people were just like walking past or just ignoring it. People on bikes, people walking from the other side of the street where I was on, just looking, you know, like it was nothing. And I was like, wow, like, you know, this woman clearly needs help. She's still laying on the ground and no one uh, no one did anything. So I I did did a good deed. The yeah. <laughs> good Samaritan, quiet Wyatt, and uh, that was very kind of you to do. I'm sure Christine appreciates it. Hopefully she's recovered. Oh, I'm just kidding. Of course not, Christine. It was a, a lovely woman in Washington, D.C., visiting her friend as the people of Washington walked right past her in her moment of need, but not Wyatt, our own Wyatt. Good job, sir. Nice star for you. I'll give you an extra star today. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. It's the happy hour on The Guy Benson Show. stretch here on the guy benson show it is friday eve and i am jumping right into vacation this is something i've been looking forward to for months we will get into that in just a second but i will just point out briefly that earlier this hour during this happy hour we were lauding quite rightly the good deed of quiet wyatt helping the elderly woman who fell on the street in Washington, D.C. earlier today, and he rushed over. Everyone else ignored her. He did the right thing. He got her water. He put her in an Uber, sent her back to her friend's house. And I did, in passing, jokingly, make the suggestion that the woman that was helped in this case was producer Christine, which is preposterous, of course, because Christine is not in Washington, D.C. She's up in New York. But because the implication was that she might be elderly— And I think that, in all fairness, despite having just turned 40, that is by no definition elderly, I'm just concerned that producer Christine may not want to speak to me on this segment. And because I'm about to go on vacation, I just want to make sure that I'm still okay with producer Christine because she did not jump in with any angry protestation on the air earlier in the hour. So I'm just just worrying that she's been silently stewing 
in personal fury. So I want to clear the air. Producer well, Christine, was that joke out of bounds? Was that I'm, wrong? Listen, it's been much worse. <laughs> You've definitely had <laughs> much worse. But can I just say one thing about that whole, I mean, Wyatt's a hero. And I'm sure he's the golden child, another gold star for Wyatt, yada, yada. Not all heroes wear capes, but they <laughs> do wear Sometimes they wear vests. Fox News well, socks. Yeah, Fox News socks and vests. <laughs> yep. I'm surprised he saw this happen, that he could even put down the Wall Street Journal for one moment to notice this woman's peril and this woman's uh, situation. Uh, but please go on. I just want to say that you were asking, you know, how n- nobody else could come and help and why it said, you know, he was getting mad. I get it. People do walk by. But I just have to say you have to be careful because you don't know if that's just a scheme, a scam. Don't forget, I was once robbed, mugged. By a mime. That, that is true. As a, as a what, a teenager? As a in teenager Paris, in Paris. You got robbed by a mime. It's one of my favorite facts about you. It is, it for some reason, that story absolutely cracks me up every time you mention it. That, I mean, of course, producer Christine, 16 years old or something, went to Paris, got robbed, and not just robbed, robbed by a mime in public. It's just, it's too good. Of course, I do not endorse mugging or robbing. It is funny, though. You have to admit it's funny, but you also have to admit, Christine, if I'm not mistaken, you have refused to be a good Samaritan in the past because of your paranoia. I wonder if that mime situation scarred you so much that you're now so paranoid that it's not just situational awareness. It's worse than that. It's sort of conspiratorial. Wasn't there a, uh, a woman who was disoriented? Who needed your help and you wouldn't give it to her because you were you were fearful or suspicious of her? I just want to say I overcame the mime robbery. You know, I I was a stronger person for it, I believe. The reason that I did not help an elderly lady when she came out of her home asking me to help her find her home, I just thought it was a scam. I watch way too much Dateline and 48 Hours and Oprah, you know, after the show. And I listen to way too many crime podcasts that I, this lady came out and she came right up to me and I asked her, please step away from me. Like she was up in my face and I said, please back away. How old was this woman? Oh, I mean, 90s, maybe 80s, 90s. Okay, so like really old, elderly, a, a seasoned citizen. Correct. Sorry, I probably shouldn't say really old. Yes, and she kept asking me to find her son, and then she kept asking me to find her home. Oh, I know it sounds sad, but I was alone. It was almost dark, and I thought maybe like someone put her up to it, and then somebody is going to come in one of those big white vans and just take cookie. And she would not be here anymore. That's what I was thinking in my mind. You thought that they were using a 90-year-old woman who was disoriented and lost near sundown as bait to kidnap Cookie? That was what your brain did in that situation? That is exactly what I thought. Exactly. And it might not have been her fault. She might have been put up to it. I mean, look what they do. You know, like the drug cartels in Mexico use children. You never know. Yeah, this was this was like in New Jersey. 
It was actually the, the block next to mine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you were a block from home? It was my neighborhood. <laughs> Christine. Like, you're talking like you're in 1980s Medellin, Colombia. You were one block from your house in New Jersey. Yes. And you're like, get away from me. I really Get did. away from me, old woman. I did. Where are your co-conspirators? Show yourselves. Poor woman is already scared out of her mind. In, she kept asking me to come in her house for Senka, which is like some coffee my mom told me that people used to drink. Well, so she found the house eventually is what you're saying. Well, her, she was at her house. That was the whole point. She was in front of her home. So, oh, so she, she was just she was really out of confused. it. But you just yeah. never know. And what I was thinking is if I was, you know, talking you to call her, the cops on this woman, someone could come up behind me and just take me. So I did call Bobby right away. I mean, screaming, you know, Christine, you know, screaming, screaming. I'm like, help me, help me. Like, I think this old lady help gonna... me. Yeah. <laughs> you you are out of your mind. Like, this is a new low, I have to say. Like, I know we make the joke that whenever something slightly goes off or, like, askew in any way, you douse yourself in gasoline and light a match and, you know, run flaming through a glass window screaming. Like, it's not that much of an exaggeration. Here was a, a concerned, confused, disoriented senior citizen who was lost, and she asked for your help, and you called your husband screaming for help for you, because you were convinced that there were kidnappers somehow involved in a scheme to take you away. Do I have that roughly correct? You you apparently don't listen to a lot of crime podcasts, do you? Or watch 48 Hours much, do you? I watch enough, but there's see, this also goes to rationality and risk assessment. And I know those are also not your strong suits. Well... Did I mean, Bobby help this woman? Did he come and help at oh, least? It was so funny. So he comes running. And it was Sunday, and Bobby cooks on Sundays, and he likes to tease Megan and I, and he always puts on a chef's hat and an apron, and that's really all he had on. He had, like, shorts, an apron, and a chef's hat. And he comes running around the block. (laughs) This woman asked the wrong people for help. Can you imagine what was going through her mind? She's already, obviously, like, sort of out of it and confused, and then all of a sudden— There's this nice-seeming young lady screaming at her to get away, and then a dude shows up running in a chef's hat out of nowhere. This must have only worsened her situation. She'd probably rather just be on the street. She's just like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah, I'll just just lie down here on the sidewalk for the evening. This is less disturbing than whatever you people are up to. I feel like the story didn't go the way I was (laughs) expecting it to go. Yeah, no, you raised this on the call earlier, and I was like, do you really want to tell the story where you rejected helping an elderly woman because you thought that she was part of a kidnapping scheme based on nothing? I did not remember the chef detail, the chef oh, hat detail. Oh, he had a full-on like, Was he mad with you? Hat. Like, oh, what are you, oh, what are you doing? Yes, uh, no, he was yeah. completely mad, and then he guided her into the home, and then she was trying <laughs> to make coffee for him. <laughs> And oh, and then she was. He, she handed the phone to him, and she said, "Please call my son." It, 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 it took Bobby like an hour to get everything settled while I was just outside. Because I didn't. Now you're probably like, "Where's my dinner, Bobby?" Well, I mean, kind of, but and maybe I, this was also part of the scheme by the kidnappers. It's a long play to starve you, so you'd have to get your husband involved in this long rescue mission. They're all out to get you, Cookie. They're all out to get you. 
I'm just kidding, of course. You're a trained spy. You're not as scared of any of these people. Okay, we have to talk about this vacation because we're almost out of time and I'm going on vacation. I'm back a week from today. So gone tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the shows. We will have fabulous programs, great guests, all the breaking news, guest hosts. Please tune in. Podcast is always free, GuyBensonShow.com. But I've had a few different overseas trips canceled or indefinitely postponed due to COVID. And so I will admit that in recent months, United Airlines, which is my airline, wore me down with their Instagram ads that were targeted at me. And they were very effective where they'd be like, hey, Greece is open. Greece is open. Greece is now open. Look at this beautiful place in Greece. It's open. Have we mentioned Greece is open? And finally, I was like, fine, we're going to Greece. So tomorrow, Adam and I are flying over to Greece We are meeting six friends there, and we're going to the island of Santorini, which I'm extremely excited about. The photos of that place are gorgeous. I've always wanted to go. Once you get yourself over to Greece, they really value tourism. They need tourism. They've been hit, obviously, during the pandemic. So things are extremely affordable. So we've got this villa that we're renting That is very fancy and very posh and beautiful, and it is so incredibly affordable. I was astonished. And I actually did some extra research to make sure it wasn't a scam because there there is a situation, Christine, where I think it's reasonable to do a little bit of due diligence, right? So, okay, am I going to really show up at this place? Will it be this nice? Is this a price that makes sense for the market? And it all checked out. So we've got a couple nights coming up in Greece. Go to the beach, go to the pool, maybe uh, get out on the water a little bit. And I have been looking forward to this, honestly, for months. I've got some photos of the villa that whenever I'm in a bad mood, I actually pull up these photos and just look at them. I'm like, I want to go to there. And I'm finally going to there tomorrow. And, Christine, we don't have much time left, but do you have any preemptive Curious Christine curiosities? I know you'll grill me when I'm back, Well, but— Yes. You seem to have questions in advance. This is not a question, Guy. I just want to say something to you. Mm. I am so looking forward to our vacation. Um, As you know, I am off the same amount of time that you are. So you just let me know exactly when and where to meet you. And I look forward to breaking bread. Well, no, and the thing is, nope, nope, nope. And here's the thing. This is not even a credible threat. Because you were supposed to go on an overseas vacation yourself during this exact same stretch of days, and then you panicked and canceled it and decided to go to Florida instead because you were too terrified to leave the country, even if it meant going to Aruba. Am I correct about that? Yes, I, but I am not afraid of DeSantis. No way. So, But yes. you panicked over Aruba, but now you're, what, this empty threat is that you're going to show up in Greece? Fat chance. You wouldn't even leave the hemisphere, Christine. That's true. I, I was trying to really make a, a, a little threat. But yes, uh, I will be <laughs> off the same amount of time. I, I like to take off when you're off. So then we're, we're working together. Isn't that nice? That's mm. what best friends do. It's very sweet. But and I, I will be ahead. in Florida. I'm very excited. Yes, I did. I did panic and we did cancel Aruba because my fear was if I got stuck in Aruba, then Megan is staying much longer with Judgy Joyce than she needed to. And that's just not fair to her. OK, but you could get stuck in Florida, too. It let's you know. Let's just not explore this new irrational fear. And we'll just leave it at that. I will just point out because of covid, there's all these hoops you have to jump through. And we're flying in 
directly, but then we're flying out through Germany. And what do you need to present in each country with the vaccination cards and tests and all this stuff? And you have to enter stuff and upload it onto apps. It's a whole production. And Quiet Wyatt did all this recently when he went to Italy, and he literally brought an entire binder of resources to make sure that he had it all under control. We will not be doing a full binder full of things, but he has been helpful. A few pointers. You need these tests, not those. So Wyatt gets an extra gold star today, even if the binder approach was a bit much for my taste. Now, of course, if I end up getting stranded for some reason because I didn't have a binder, he will have the last laugh, by which I mean he will have a very quiet chuckle to himself. But I am feeling confident, knock on wood, that we will get all of the logistics straightened away and we will have a nice, relaxing time away from a couple days, then back at it. But even though we are off briefly, the show is not. The news cycles continue. We will have full coverage here on The Guy Benson Show, 3 to 6 p.m. every weekday and around the clock on the free podcast, GuyBensonShow.com. From Milwaukee, Wisconsin, have a great night. I will see you a week from today here on the radio. Enjoy the shows in the meantime, and have a great weekend after tomorrow. It is The Guy Benson Show. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.